All right, well, the last time I ministered, it was on the subject of faith. And I shared about Jesus being led into the wilderness by the devil. And one of the devil's offerings to Jesus was about kingdoms. And that interested me. So, today, the subject of my message is called, Of the Spirit of the Kingdom of Heaven. And I'm going to take you back just where we were to get into it today. And so I'm starting at Matthew 3, verse 13. And mostly what I do is New International Version. So it says, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, really, Jesus? (laughs) I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? And I think Jesus replied with love eyes. You know, those love eyes like, don't you really think we need to do this? (laughs) I think we need to do this, John, to fulfill all righteousness. And so John consented. And as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He says that to each one of us, right? That's important. That's important that we know that we are the sons of God. Each one of us with whom God loves. And in us, God is well pleased. Going on in Matthew 4, 1, and this one I did do in the regular King James Version. Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert. Remember I talked about the desert, the desolate places? It was the place of aloneness that Jesus went for us in those alone places. And there the devil tempted him in many ways. The last one I'm going only today, and that's in verse 8. The devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. The devil, like he's given Jesus, oh, here I am, I can give you all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Now all this I will give to you if you just bow down and worship me, Jesus. (laughs) And of course, Jesus said to him, get away from me, Satan, right? For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So as I was thinking about this, I really wanted to explore the kingdom of heaven because it's like, well, the devil's trying to give you the kingdom of the world. You know, Jesus has got the kingdom of heaven. But then this one verse just intrigued me. And it was that Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It was a contrast there. Well, this was Jesus. He had walked on the earth as a natural man, as a carpenter. And it does not really say a whole lot about his life and teaching before he was baptized. And I was thinking about my life, BJ, (laughs) before Jesus in the flesh. Not very important as when I have the Holy Spirit, I have Jesus in us, right? The Spirit is at home in our hearts. So anyway, what I saw was of the spirit and of the devil. And I saw Jesus walking. And to me, it was like he was walking in the spirit, going this way. And the devil is coming this way against him, right? And all Jesus knew his authority because when God says, with whom I'm well pleased, we know we are sons of God. So just as Jesus, as he was walking forward and he was saying it is written the assignments of the devil the power whatever the devil said and he had to go around and then he'd come again right but jesus is walking forward 
Well, we can do that also. We're walking forward. You know, it may look a little closer than with Jesus. The devil might be right up there to us, but as long as we stand, we have our armor on, right? We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So as long as we stand there, and when we've done all to stand, we continue to stand, no matter what the devil is trying to tell us, it is falling off. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, it's important that we speak the word, declaring the word, because the devil does have to flee from us when we're on the word. Jesus was being led of the Spirit. And as soon as Jesus was up out of the water, it says the heavens opened. All right, well, in John 1, verse 32, John gave his testimony. And he said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. My question here was, what has changed? There was a change when this happened. What has changed? All right. The heavens were open. The heavens are still open. They're open now. We have the blessings of God. And that's all we have is the blessings because Jesus became a curse for us. So we don't have the curse. The heavens were open. The Spirit came down and remained. And when the Spirit comes on us, it remains there. He is forever led of the Spirit. He baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I looked up baptized to be fully whelmed, to be wet with fluid. Water, movement, life versus the dry, wrinkled living of the desert, right? <laughs> living in the light yoke with the Holy Spirit choreographer, right? <laughs> Water. So I was thinking, what about the Old Testament? What was going on there? Well, what came to me was after Jesus was risen from the dead, there were the two walking on the road to Emmaus, right? And we'll take that up in Luke 24, verse 13. And this was after the death of Jesus. Cleopas and his friend, they were going back to Emmaus. And Emmaus meant the warm bathwaters, right? Warm bathwater. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus asked them what they were talking about. I'm sure Cleopas was like, where in the world have you been, Jesus? He started to explain all that had happened and how much they had been looking forward to Jesus being the Redeemer of Israel. And Jesus said, back to Cleopas, and not in a condemnatory way. I used to always think this, condemnatory, but there's no condemnation now. So Jesus said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So I'm thinking about the Old Testament, and I'm like, okay, how about Ezekiel? <laughs> he had visions. He saw God, right? 
But in the Old Testament, the Spirit came, and then it went. Well, I'm going to give you an example that they did experience God, but not like we have God with us and in us forever, living on the inside of us. Now, I don't know about you guys, but Ezekiel is not a place that I want to read much. (laughs) How about y'all? It's never been my go-to place, I'll say that. (laughs) To me, the visions were all scary and all the judgments were horrible. I looked up a vision. A vision meant an insight, a view with shape or mentally to see an appearance. Well, the vision of Ezekiel changed his life for sure. It gave him purpose and a mission and an encouragement from God in the midst of the people who lived with him who were in bondage and they were quite rebellious. Ezekiel means God is strong. Do you remember that? I hadn't, but I like that. Now, I'm going to read out of the message today from Ezekiel 1, starting with 1, 1 through 3. Ezekiel says, When I was 30 years of age, I was living with the exiles on the Kibar River. On the fifth day of the fourth month, the sky opened up and I saw visions. What? Sky means heavens. I just had gotten done reading this about Jesus. The heavens opened. And he saw visions. The heaven opened for Jesus and he had the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on here to say, I don't know why it says the fifth day of the fourth month. And now he goes on to say it was the fifth day of the month and the fifth year. But I like five. And anybody that likes five knows grace, 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 right? (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. It was the fifth day of the month and the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim that God's word came to Ezekiel, the priest, on the banks of the Kibar River in the country of Babylon. And God's hand was upon him that day. This is his first vision. So, now, I'm going to give you permission today. If you've never felt like you could close your eyes, I'm actually going to suggest for the next about 20 verses that I'm going to read to you. It was Ezekiel's vision, and I just want you to close your eyes. I am reading it through the message. So you have my permission to close your eyes and just see what you see while I'm reading this. I looked, I saw an immense dust storm come from the north, an immense cloud with lightning flashing from it, a huge ball of fire glowing like bronze. Within the fire were what looked like four creatures, vibrant with life. Each had the form of a human being, but each also had four faces and four wings. Their legs were as sturdy and straight as columns, but their feet were hooved like those of a calf and sparkled from the fire like burnished bronze. On all four sides, under their wings, they had human hands. All four had both faces and wings, and with the wings touching one another. They turned neither one way nor the other. They went straight forward. Their faces looked like this. In the front, a human face. On the right side of the face was the face of a lion. On the left, the face of an ox. And on the back, the face of an eagle. Well, so much for the faces. (laughs) The wings were spread out with the tips of one pair touching the creature on either side. The other pair of wings covered its body. Each creature went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit went, they went. They did not turn as they went. Now, the four creatures looked like a blazing fire or like fiery torches. Tongues of fire shot back and forth between the creatures and out of the fire, bolts of lightning. 
the creatures flashed back and forth like strikes of lightning. And as I watched the four creatures, I saw something that looked like a wheel on the ground beside each of the four-faced creatures. This is what the wheels looked like. They were identical wheels, sparkling like diamonds. Diamonds in the sun. It looked like they were wheels within wheels, like a gyroscope. They went in any one of the four directions they faced, but straight, not veering off. The rims were immense, circled with eyes. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went. And when the living creatures lifted off, the wheels lifted off. And wherever the spirit went, they went, the wheels sticking right with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. And when the creatures went, the wheels went. And when the creatures stopped, the wheels stopped. And when the creatures lifted off, the wheels lifted off, because the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures was something like a dome, shimmering like a sky full of cut glass vaulted over their heads. And under the dome, one set of wings was extended toward the others, with another set of wings covering their bodies. And when they moved, I heard their wings. It was like the roar of a great waterfall, like the voice of the strong God, like the noise of a battlefield. And when they stopped, they folded their wings. And then, as they stood with folded wings, there was a voice from above the dome over their heads. And above the dome, there was something that looked like a throne, sky blue like sapphire, with a human-like figure towering above the throne. And from what I could see, from the waist up, he looked like burnished bronze. And from the waist down, like a blazing fire, oh, there was brightness everywhere. The way a rainbow springs out of the sky on a rainy day. That's what it was like. Well, it turned out to be the glory of God. When I saw all this, I fell to my knees, my face to the ground, and then I heard a voice. What a vision. You can all open your eyes if you want to. What a vision, wouldn't you say? It must have been beautiful. Four faces. I've heard it preached that the face of the lion is Matthew. The face of a man is Luke. The face of the ox, being the servant, is Mark. And the face of the eagle is John. Four creatures. But it made me think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Jesus in the fire. You know, it's kind of a strange looking, but that's what it made me think of. No smell, no singeing of the hair. <laughs> God is our all-seeing God. He sees everything, right? That's what that said to me this time. Four faces that see in all directions, no matter which way they were going. And the one that got my attention was a wheel like diamonds. <laughs> Whenever I'd gotten that vision before, you know, I always thought of one of those, I don't know, those movies where you're down in the, the ship and you're in that powerhouse or whatever in these metal wheels and they got to turn those things. And, it, you know, I saw something really ugly. <laughs> That's what I saw. But diamonds, that got my attention. A girl's best friend, they say, right? Oh, this had to be beautiful. I had thought of some ugly metal thing all along with a scary being. But 
this cannot be scary. I have seen this as scary all my life, or all the times I read it, not very many, but the times I did. Because I had within me that belief that God, you know, he might be angry, he might blow up at you at any time, he might spill out nasty words over me. So I had told the Lord a long time ago, I said, Lord, okay, 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 I believe that you're real. Just don't give me visions. I don't want those kind of visions. I don't like scary things. I don't like to go to scary movies. I can't handle it. <laughs> I guess if I had to, but don't like to go. I don't like scary things. So I just told God this. I'll just take you that you are good, God. I don't need visions. I don't like scary things. When we are full of fear, then all we see is fear. My seeing was warped, but how beautiful was his vision. Now, I still don't totally understand it, but it had to be glorious. In this version, it said it was the glory of God. A gyroscope. Well, if you don't know what one is, Mr. Fred has one. And you can only look at it if you want to see it. Talk to Mr. Fred. <laughs> he has a total understanding. I had him tell me about this a couple different times. And the best I can tell you is a gyroscope gives you stability. And my understanding, one of the things is like a bicycle. Okay, so you got the tire in there. But you're trying to learn to get on that bicycle and it's still doing like this. And if you're going slow, you're still... <laughs> but if you go a little faster, you go straight. Okay? Mr. Fred knows that because an airplane, it's off the ground. It's up in the air. It can go any which way. But you've got this gyroscope that gives you stability. It gives us, the best I can say, it gives us stability. The Holy Spirit gives us direction. But it gives us stability. Another thing is missiles. If they're sending out a missile, it's got to have some place to go. But if the missile is sideways, <laughs> you got to have something going straight, aiming, going straight. What about Jesus going back to heaven? <laughs> he knew right where to go, right? <laughs> but God is good. God is good. There is life in the wheel. There is movement with the Spirit of God. There's no stagnation. We have the choreographer of the Holy Spirit of life within us. Go here now. Go there soon. Listen to this person. Speak encouragement to this one. Our yoke is easy. Our burden is light. As we live with Jesus on the inside. No wobbling. <laughs> no wobbling. If we got the gyroscope, we got the Holy Spirit. God is good. This was a living creature. Ezekiel's vision was exquisite, explicit, precise, intricate, and detailed. The Holy Spirit wants to do that in us and through us, leading us, guiding us, directing us, giving us words of wisdom, words of knowledge, all the gifts of the Spirit of God operating in us. What a beautiful thing. God wants to reveal all things to us. Ezekiel only got to have momentary visions. We get to experience God living on the inside of us always. We are of the Spirit of the heavens that have been opened. The heavens were opened for Ezekiel, gave him visions to see. The heavens are open for Jesus and us to give us the Holy Spirit to see. So, 
I want to share with you another vision that Ezekiel had, and this is out of chapter 3, verse 1, starting with 1. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Well, now this was the word. It was before Jesus, so it did have curses and blessings in it. He goes on to say, Then go and speak to the people of Israel. So, I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. And then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So my point is, he had the word back there. They had the word. We have the word here in the New Testament. In John, John 1, uh, verses 1 through 4, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and in him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. And then down to verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And that leads us up to John 6. 51, where Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. The heavens were opened. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up the last day. So we are eating the good news of Jesus Christ today to Ezekiel there, even Jeremiah said this in chapter 15 and 17. He said, when your words showed up, Lord, I ate them, I swallowed them whole, and what a feast. What delight I took in being yours, O God, God of the angel armies. His word is good. We can eat his word, and it encourages us. Continuing in Ezekiel 3, so I ate it, and it tasted sweet as honey in my mouth. The word is sweet, right? When we have need of something and God shows us, it is sweet. It's never damning. It's never boring to us. And then he said to me, son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. And then he goes on to say, but the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate, but I will make you as unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead as the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. Son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I am speaking to you. Go now to your people in exile, in bondage. We have a few people that we know might be in bondage, right? And speak to them and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or whether they fail to listen. And then the spirit lifted me up and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound as the glory of the Lord. It rose from the place where it was standing. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures brushing against each other and the sound of the wheels beside them, a loud rumbling sound. And the spirit then lifted me up and took me away. And I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit with the strong hand of the Lord on me, though. He had been in the presence of God and he didn't really want to go back to the <laughs> with the people, right? That's why he's saying, you know, I went in bitterness and anger. <laughs> it's like, you know, who doesn't want to stay in the presence of God all the time? But God gives us missions, right? He gives us something to do. 
And then one last place in Ezekiel chapter 40, and this is verse 2. It says, in the visions of God, he took me to the land of Israel, and he set me on a very high mountain. Now, the reason I went here is because the devil had taken Jesus to a very high <laughs> high mountain. <laughs> so I wanted to check this out. It says, and so he set me on a very high mountain on whose south side were some buildings that looked like a city. And he took me there. And I saw a man whose appearance was like bronze. He was standing in the gateway with a linen cord and with a measuring rod in his hand. And the man said to me, son of man, look carefully, listen closely, pay attention to everything I'm going to show you, for that is why you have been brought here. And then tell the people of Israel everything you see. This is how I see it. This man is measuring with justice. And the devil <laughs> had been measured and kicked out of the very high mountain. I'm not sure if that's right, but I, that's what I saw at the moment. Then the other thing is measurement. Okay, you go to a tailor. He's measuring you for what's going to fit. And we have the robe of righteousness on us, right? Anyway, it may have been measuring for judgment. But for us, Jesus has come to earth and died on the cross to take all our judgments to take all our punishment so that now we are given and receive the love of God in width and depth and length. And in the New Testament then, in Ephesians 3, starting with verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. It doesn't say judgment. It says the love of Christ, that we may discern this, that we may know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So going on from there with visions in Acts 2 and verse 17, we see visions and dreams. It says in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Well, I have another example of the spirit of the kingdom. It's from the New Testament and it's out of Acts. And this example is after Jesus has left and then he sent his Holy Spirit to be with us. And it was after Stephen had been stoned. And there was great persecution in the church. And all the believers had scattered and they were preaching the good news of Jesus. And so was Philip. Okay, so we're going to pick up in um, Acts 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed Jesus there, the Messiah. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, they all paid close attention to him, to what he said. For with shrieks, the impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in the city. There was other things that went on there, but I'm going to go right now down to verse 26 of Acts 8. 
It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip. I thought this was interesting that said an angel of the Lord. Most of the time that was in the Old Testament and it was in reference to Jesus. That's what I've seen. Or, But anyway, it says an angel of the Lord. So an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, so it had to have been a feast time that he'd gone up there. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, he said, go down there to that chariot and stay near it. And then it says, and Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. I'm not saying that God's going to tell you to go check out somebody in that blue car over there. (laughs) Got to be careful these days. (laughs) But, you know, I just kind of thought that was funny. Philip ran up to the chariot. Anyway, Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man said, well, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come in and sit with him. And this was the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was reading out of Isaiah 53. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Now, who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? But Philip began with that very scripture, that very passage, to tell this man all about the good news about Jesus. And so as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And so he gave the orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Ah! (laughs) How fun! And the eunuch did not see him again, but eunuch wasn't worried about it. He went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, he appeared at Azotus. And I looked that up and that was about 30 miles away. (laughs) and Philip traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. What a fun time, huh? I think he had a gyroscope in him. (laughs) He had the Holy Spirit for sure. What fun! What fun! So, we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? Showing us all things. We have revelation in and by the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9, it is written this way. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? And in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. 
this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit, but considers them foolish and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. But the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. We don't tell God what to do. That was my whole point about <laughs> Ezekiel. Don't give me any don't give me any visions. And it's like we can cut the Lord off sometimes doing that. But it does say we have the mind of Christ. Paul says it this way in Acts 17, verse 24. He was in Athens, and he said, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands, and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else from one man. He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And then he says, for in him we live and move and have our being. Amen. In Galatians five sixteen, it says it this way. So I say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not able to do what you want. But, but, yahoo, when we are led by the Spirit, we are not under the law. There's no wobbling. <laughs> no wobbling. The Holy Spirit gives us direction, the gyroscope. God loves us. And he's going to help us, even if we feel like we're wobbling. <laughs> Might look like we're wobbling. No more wobbling. No more flesh head. No more flesh head. Yeah, that's the one. We are of God's Spirit of the kingdom of heaven. In 1 John 4, verse 12, it says, No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, that's, what, that's the name of what I, we're doing today. Of his spirit, of the kingdom of heaven. We have seen and testify that the Father has seen his Son to be the Savior of the world. So, that's been a few scriptures today <laughs> about the spirit that we have received and that we are living in the kingdom of heaven. But that was my original, what I originally wanted to study was a little bit more about the kingdom. So I'm just going to do a few more scriptures on that. And so for that, I'm going back to when we read Matthew 4, verses 8 and 9. And this is in the Passion, I think. The devil took him to the peak of the huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointing out all earth kingdoms. This was the devil offering Jesus something. All earth, he pointed out all earth kingdoms, how glorious they were. And then he said, well, they're yours, Jesus, just lock, stock, and barrel. 
just go down on your knees and worship me and they're all yours. Okay, so right there, kingdoms. I looked up that word kingdom and it meant royalty. It meant rule. It meant a realm, a kingdom to reign. And that rooted down to a, a basilius, another word. And it was to the notion of a foundation of power, a sovereign or a king. And then that rooted down to a word that it was basis. And it was to walk as to pace yourself. That is with the foot. Okay, so what I came out, my version was to walk. In other words, the pace that we keep in walking is based on a foundation of kingly power, and that equals our realm of reigning. That is a realm of kingly reign or our royalty. So what is your kingdom? Where do you walk? What realm? What sphere? We have rulership there. Jesus said it this way in uh, John 18, when he was talking to Pilate, or maybe Pilate was questioning him, rather, I should say, and he explained it this way in verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. And Pilate said, well, you are a king then? And Jesus said, well, you say I am a king, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. In other words, Jesus was telling him, this is the way my kingdom functions. It functions on truth. So, then I just want to give you a few scriptures on what is the kingdom. And I found a few scriptures that kind of identified that to me. First of all, it is the government of Jesus. And this scripture you might know from more so from Christmas time, I guess. It's Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, our Everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And then in Zechariah, it talks about our king comes to us righteous and victorious. It's a righteous and victorious kingdom. And in chapter 9 and verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. Then Daniel explains it this way. The kingdom of God of heaven endures forever. It says in, in chapter 2, verse 44, Daniel says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms, and it will bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. The kingdom of God will endure forever. Our kingdom of heaven endures forever. And Daniel, further down in chapter 7 and verse 14, it says his kingdom will never be destroyed. He was given authority, 
glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him, and his dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. In the New Testament, in Matthew 4, Jesus started to preach about the kingdom of heaven, and he said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come. Now we know repent to mean change your mind, right? There's no groveling. I'm not saying we don't say, God, I'm sorry, but we're not sin-conscious people. We're Jesus-conscious people. When we make a mistake, oops, God, I didn't mean to do that. That's not my identity. We thank you, Jesus, for everything you did on the cross, and we take your righteousness. We lambano, <laughs> right? We take that righteousness that you have, Father God. God is love. He is merciful. He's full of grace and favor. There's no faith in groveling for days that you messed up. In Romans 14, verse 17, it talks about the kingdom of God that is righteousness, peace, and joy. It says this in verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In Matthew, it says we have been given the gift of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. This is Matthew 13, verse 10. And the disciples came to Jesus and asked him, Why do you speak to the peoples in parables? And he said, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. They were disciples. Luke he talks about the kingdom of God that's in our midst. In chapter 17, verse 20, it says, Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus said, The coming of the kingdom is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, Here it is, there it is. No, because the kingdom of God is in our midst. It's within us. Hallelujah. And in James, James says we inherit what has been promised to us. James 2, verse 5, he said, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? In Hebrews 12, we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken. It says in verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. And then in Hebrews 11, we have the hall of faith, right? Because we have the spirit of the kingdom of heaven in us, we can conquer all the kingdoms of this world. Everything that the devil is trying to offer, <laughs> Jesus already conquered him. In Hebrews 11, verse 32, it says, What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, about David and Samuel and all the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. We have this authority in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can conquer other kingdoms because we have the kingdom of heaven living in us that never fades away 
those who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. We gain what is promised to us. And the last verse is Revelations 11:15, where it talks about we reign forever with our king in his kingdom. In verse 15 of chapter 11, it says, The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven, which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. So, I hope this has given you a picture of what the kingdom is like. These are some of the things that I want to kind of in summarize say that I shared with you today the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit landed and remains remained on Jesus forever and he lives in us and he remains in us forever as well right he was led of the spirit and so are we we see with the eyes of our spirit all that Jesus has for us. We operate in the kingdom of heaven that had been prepared for us for our good and for God's glory. We reign with him. We eat the bread of life. We live the abundant life of liberty in Christ Jesus. What a feast we have eating the word of God with our God of the angel armies. God shows us doors. He opens doors for us to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus. We are experiencing how deep and wide and long and high is the love of God for us. We can know this love. We hear our Father's voice like Philip did with our abilities and favor to share. And God moves us where we need to be. For in him we live and move and have our being. And God reveals himself to us as we are led by the spirit of the living God. We walk with kingly power reigning in our realm of rulership in this world. We live in the kingdom of the government of Jesus Christ. In a righteous and victorious kingdom that endures forever. That is never destroyed we have been given the secrets to the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of God is in our midst. We do inherit what has been promised to us. We receive this kingdom that cannot be shaken. We reign forever. And so with that, I would like you all to stand up and we're all going to pray what you might know as the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's our prayer to the Lord. And I have this for us. It's in the Passion Version, but I want to do it together and it'll be our closing prayer uh, for today. Our beloved Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, May the glory of your name be the center on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil. For you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. Amen. 
This is Mark Testerman, Senior Pastor of Triumphant Grace Ministries. I want to say thank you for listening to the finished work gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray that the good news found throughout the message has richly encouraged you in the love of the Father. Friends, this podcast is supported by the generous financial support of its listeners. And if today's message has ministered to you, then would you consider a gift that ministers back to us? You can text the word GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 833-632-1315, or you can visit triumphantgrace.com and donate through PayPal or credit card. The cornerstone scripture for Triumphant Grace Ministries is found in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Great grace, such grace, triumphant grace to you. God bless you.